Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to those of you who've been here before. Welcome, uh, first time guests as well. I'm Alvin, I'm lead pastor here at Nashville Life. I'm so honored that you guys are here, that you're spending this afternoon with us. Uh, it's a little bit of a gloomy day outside, but it's bright in here, uh, and I'm glad about it. Um, we are in a great series that I'm enjoying. We are halfway through. We're calling um, this series The Faithful Ones. But before we go into the message, I would like to lead us as we declare uh, that this word is going to be alive. It's going to do some big stuff in our hearts. So repeat these words after me. Uh, the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. The more I give life, the more I'll receive. The more I live life, the more I'll believe. In the name of Jesus, amen. I lead you guys through this because my prayer is that every time you open up the Bible, you don't think that you're just reading this book. Every time you listen to a sermon, you don't think you're just listening to some guy or girl talk. You are listening to life for your soul. You are li listening and receiving the actual substance that will allow you to live. Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone. We live by what comes out of the word of God. So every time we listen to a sermon, every time we open our Bible, know that you're just not listening something with your ears. You are receiving something in your heart. So, so as we intentionally learn how to live by faith and think by faith and talk by faith, um, these are the practices that, that, that we need to get better at, that knowing that every time we do something for the Lord, we're intentionally doing it in faith that it's going to produce something major in our lives, all right? So uh, speaking of faith, our entire series is about faith. It's called The Faithful Ones, and we're going through Hebrews chapter 11. We're going through the whole chapter. Week one, I think I did verse one through seven, I think, and then it was verse eight through 17, uh, no, 16, and this week we're going verse 17 through 29. Let me do a brief review. Verse one comes out with the scriptural definition. If ever anyone asks you, what faith is, you have a handy definition right here in verse 1. It says, now faith is a substance of things hoped for. Everyone say hoped for. And the evidence of things not seen. Everyone say not seen. So for something to be faith, it's got to be something that you want to happen, something that you're hoping for, and something that you can't see. Let's talk further. Verse 3 says, By faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. Which is why it's a big deal that we're listening to the word of God right now. We're listening to the very word that frames the world that we live in. Which is why this isn't just time to listen to some guy yap for 45 minutes. It's, it's listening to the word of God that actually frames your entire world and, and all the worlds. It says the worlds 
refrained by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible, which is a very fundamental understanding that you must have when you have faith, is that everything that you perceive and everything that you see physically was not created by something physical. It was something created, it was created by something that is not seen. The unseen world, the invisible world, is actually what determines the visible world. And people who have faith live according to the scripture with that understanding. So that's what allows us to rejoice even when things are looking bad or to have hope and believe that things are going to turn around even though it's looking like, because the key phrase, it's looking like everything's falling apart and it's looking like there's no hope. But people of faith go, yeah, but thankfully what's not seen is superior to what is seen. And that is a very fundamental understanding that people of faith have. So if you have faith, you understand that, that what you see is not the ultimate. It's actually what you don't see that is the ultimate. Let's go to verse 6. I'm doing a recap. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, him being God. And this is a very simple truth. It's a very, think about it, guys. Just think logically. How can you please someone you can't see if you don't believe in what you can't see? It just doesn't, doesn't compute. You, that this is why the scripture is not even that uh, far-fetched. You can't please God without faith, because faith is what enables you to believe in and hope for what you can't see, and God is someone that you can't see. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This is, these are these are fundamental things, guys. These are things that y'all, these are scriptures that y'all should add to your, like, memorization challenges. Like, you should understand and memorize scriptures about faith because it's so, it's so essential to our daily lives, right? And then it talks about uh, last week we highlighted Abraham and Sarah, uh, two people who were invited to this life of faith that we've been invited to. Um, they were invited to accept and believe and to hold on to a very optimistic promise in the midst of a life that looked like nothing that God was promising would or could happen, which is why we often, most of my, I mean, I think for a, maybe a whole year, uh, at one point when I was preaching, I started almost every message with Abraham. I kept on referring to Abraham because he and Sarah are like one of the ultimate examples of of believing in the promises of God, even though visibly everything is contrary to that promise. And they're, they're an example because they held on and believed, and sure enough, the miraculous promise of God came to pass in a big way, um, in a huge way, the promises of God came to pass. And if they, if they gave up by what they saw, we wouldn't be here today. 
he, Abraham is named as the father of our faith. He really paved the way in this thing called faith that we are trying to learn today. Um, Hebrews eleven thirteen through 16 says, These all, talking about people of faith of days of old, they all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better. Everyone say better. They desire a better. That is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. I said better because better is a very essential uh, direction for people who are in faith. If you have faith, you believe that what's ahead of you is better than what's, in, what's, what's happening now and definitely what's behind you. You have to, if you are a person of faith, you must hold on to a truth that if I'm walking in faith, I'm walking towards what I hope for. I'm walking towards, even though I can't see it, um, and I don't, I'm not sure if, about you guys, but I don't hope for worse things. I don't hope for things to de uh, deteriorate. I hope for things to get better. That is our hope, and I think that's everybody's hope in here. I don't think anybody here hopes that their life gets worse. I believe that everybody here is hoping that their life gets better. And the wonderful thing about faith is it allows you to walk in the substance of that every day. So that's all that we've covered so far. Verse 17 continues with Abraham. It says, by faith, and that's a key phrase, just so you know, every time you see in Hebrews 11 or anywhere else in Scripture where it says by faith, that, is, that means with optimism in God's promises. Anytime you see by faith, it means with optimism and with hope in God's promises. By faith. So with hope that God's promises are true, with full optimism that, that God is going to fulfill his word, Abraham when he was tested, offered up Isaac, who is his son. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. I'm going to talk quickly on testing. Um... It's important for us to know that God allows us to go through tests. Um, scripture is very clear that God um, tests us, but I feel the need to clarify that he never tempts us. Let's talk testing, test versus temptation. Um, God doesn't give us temptation. Temptation is built to steal your faith. Tests are meant to build your faith. One comes from the Lord. The other comes from the enemy. 
Temptation is not from God, but tests oftentimes are from God. And I'm not going to lie, this is a pretty horrible test. Like, Abraham, this test for him to sacrifice his son, I, I wouldn't want to be tested that way. Um, but if God is the one who did the test, my faith says, well, if God, if it was God's idea, then it was a good idea. And that's something that, that, these are just some foundational things that you have to just put on lock in your life. If it was God's idea, then not only is it a good idea, but it was the best idea possible. You have to understand, no matter how much something doesn't make sense to you, if it was the Lord's idea, then it's the best idea. Whether it's a test that you're going through, whether it's, uh, I don't know, something in Scripture that seems to conflict with your logic, um, church, believe it or not, is God's idea. Um, this is not something Nashville Life made up, coming together regularly. Uh, this, is, this is God's idea. So we have to trust that this is the best idea. For us to be here is the best idea. Why? Because it was the Lord's idea. So this test was the Lord's idea for Abraham to be asked to give up and sacrifice his, his miracle son that was promised to him by God. And uh, tests are tough. I don't think Abraham enjoyed this test. I know I haven't enjoyed lots of tests. I'm going through a series of tests right now in my life, and I'm not enjoying it, but I'm enjoying it because I know what it's producing. And as believers, we have to understand how it's to, to separate the fact that this <laughs> hurts, but I know this is producing something great in me. And depending on the day, like, it's funny because, like, I was going through actually a couple days ago, and I was feeling in the moment real bad. But I, <laughs> there was one of those days where I kind of uh, regret knowing as much as I know <laughs> and preaching as fervently as I preach because... I couldn't even pretend like I didn't know what was happening. I knew that God was producing something amazing in my life, and I really preferred to play dumb and just be mad and have a bad attitude about it, but I know too much. And most of y'all in this room know too much. You know God's word. You know the scriptures. So, so James 1, 2, 4, I'm just going to, because I, I want to stop on this testing thing because a lot of us are going through it. And if we're smart, we're going to embrace it, endure it so we can get to the other side of that test. James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. It's just so you guys know, there are various kinds of trials out there. For you know that the testing Everyone say testing of your faith. The testing of your faith produces steadfastness. What steadfastness means is you can endure. You can last. There's a lot of people who start races and don't finish them. And it's really sad. A lot of more people sign up, put it this way, 
a lot more people start the journey with the Lord and very, a lot less endure the, the trials of following Jesus. Um, think about it. Like, it's just a, almost like a race. Like, a lot of people start by the finish line. There's a lot less at the finish line because steadfastness is something that has to be built in you. And the thing that builds steadfastness, the ability to last, guys, I want to last. I'm just speaking out of my own life. I don't want the story to be, yeah, man, back in 2021, Alvin was really on fire. Whatever happened to Alvin? Oh, he, you know, he, he said he, you know, he's not, he doesn't claim the faith anymore. He's not a Christian. Y'all, that story is real. There are a lot of people who were on fire, but a few things happened and they didn't last. And I don't want that to be the story for any of us. I want the story 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 45 years. Man, they're still going. They're still going. As cool of a thought as that is, guys, it's not automatic. It's more than a notion. It's more than a desire. You have to learn how to endure tests because according to the scripture, it's the testing of our faith that produces steadfastness. Steadfastness must be produced. It's not a personality trait. It's not a gift of the spirit. It has to be produced. It's not just this gift, like, you're given steadfastness. No, like, you're given Jesus, you're given the Spirit, but then you have to endure test, and the enduring of the test is what produces this ability to last. So if you want to last, guys, it has to be produced in you. There has to be an, a, a, a production of steadfastness in your life, and that is by test. So Abraham... His call was to be steadfast. So the Lord said, all right, well, this is how he gets steadfast. I've got to give him a test. And the test was for him to sacrifice, kill his, his, his son. And not just any son, a miracle son that was such a big deal to even have in the first place. And this son was the son that was supposed to be the source of the rest of the promise to Abraham, which was an entire nation that was going to uh, bless every family on every nation in every nation. It's a really big, really big uh, promise. This son was not just any son. This was a promised, miraculous son, and a lot of miracles was attached to this son. So you can imagine how confusing maybe in the beginning it might have been for. Abraham to be told by God to, to give him up. And this is a very relevant stage in all of our lives because many of us have received promises of God, but you have to understand the way the Lord works. Um, oftentimes, well, not anytime something is raised by God, it, it has to die. And there's a lot of, resurrection can only happen if there's a death. And some of you guys really need to understand the power of letting go even the things that you know God promised you. 
you, you have to, even if God promised you something, you have to learn not to let go of the fact that God's going to do it, but you have to let go in the process if he tells you to let it go. If he tells you to let it go, you have to learn from Abraham. Abraham, just in case anybody's in the situation right now or will be in the situation, or maybe you have been in the situation in the past, Abraham is your example. If God is asking you to let go the very thing that you know that he promised you, because this is a real thing, this is a test. Let me show you his logic. Our example, Abraham, a man, a human being like us. He said, verse 19, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense. The key word is concluding. I think uh, last week I talked about Sarah, and the scripture says that she judged God as faithful. That was a personal decision that she made in order to live by faith. Abraham had to do the same thing. Concluding means he made a decision. He drew a conclusion. He went, okay, well, God promised me this son. He's telling me to sacrifice him. God is the creator of all things. So even if I do sacrifice my son, he dies, God can raise him back up. So I'm going to follow through with this, not because it makes so much sense to me, but the God who's telling me to do this is the one who brought this son from death anyway, because that's what it says in a figurative sense. When it says, uh, from which he also received him in a figurative sense, basically that means the scripture earlier says that Abraham was basically as good as dead. He was so old. So this is, why we, this is how we have to think. We have to learn how to connect the dots. Abraham goes, well, I was as good as dead anyway, and... Isaac came from my life, so if Isaac dies, then if he came from <laughs> death once, he can come from death again. Because there was no way biologically or scientifically I was supposed to be able to conceive a son, me and my, me and my, me and my wife. Me and Sarah should not have had kids, but... It happened, so if God did that, this is what you call concluding. We as Christians have to learn how to conclude better. Abraham made a conclusion. Sarah made a conclusion. This doesn't make any sense that a woman my age is going to have a baby. But if the one who told me it can't lie, and if he only tells the truth, then I guess it's true. That's what you call concluding. That's what you call making a personal judgment. We as believers need to learn how to apply all of the knowledge we have of God to our lives. Did God spell it out and go, Abraham, uh, sacrifice Isaac, and if you do, 
I'm going to raise from the dead because I'm the one who did this and I'm the one who did that and I'm the one who did. No, the scripture doesn't say that God explained any of that. Abraham had to make his own conclusion from what he knew. We as believers have to understand that God is not going to spell everything out for us. We have to learn to make the conclusion ourselves based off what we know of God. God is not going to spell out every single thing about every decision of your life, but the reason why that's okay is because we as people of faith have the ability to conclude for ourselves. And we can go, since God did this, and since he did that, and since he did that for that person, and that for me last year, and that for my uncle, and that for Abraham, and that for David, then X, Y, and Z. That's a very important skill to have. So, the story goes, he raises up to kill Isaac, and God says, nope, don't do it. You can sacrifice this ram instead. You pass the test. And the wonder of that is Abraham went on to be very steadfast. He ended up really following through and, and finished his race strong. And he made this hall of faith that we are reading right now. Let's do verse 20 through 21. By faith, which means with optimism that, it's gonna, that God's promises are true. Optimism, hope. Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Guys, when you bless your children, bless them by faith. They're going to be okay. God is faithful. He is a protector. We are in the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We are co-heirs with Christ. So when you bless your children, you can bless them with confidence, with faith, because you are in Christ. And there's a confidence that comes with that. So you have the freedom to be optimistic. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph, each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. Verse 22, by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, guys, you can even have faith while you're dying. You can be optimistic on your deathbed. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. So even while Joseph was dying, he died in Egypt. Uh, his people were in Egypt during this time. And Egypt wasn't the promised land. It was a place of provision for a period, but it wasn't the destination for Israel. So when Joseph was dying, he said this, this is a cross-reference, Genesis chapter 50, 24. I wanted to look up what it was that he, what state he was in and what it was that he had faith about. It says, and Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So it's cool because Joseph's story if you're not familiar, it's all about, like, Egypt. A lot of good things happening in Egypt, and Egypt being this place of prosperity and this place of provision and this place of protection. And it was just God really used 
Joseph and uh, to bless the people of Israel in Egypt. But even though God used Egypt during a season, he knew that God's promise was not, the destination for, for the Israelites was not Egypt. So he goes, even though God has used this time and this has been a good time, it's still going to get better. Because God's promise was that they would be in the promised land in Jerusalem. So even while he was dying, he was like, guys, don't get too comfortable here. Because as cool as it is that we have this hookup from, because from, this is during a good time, y'all. They had a lot of favor from Pharaoh. They, were, uh, they had their own land. They had a lot of provision because Pharaoh was really tight with Joseph. So since Joseph's people, Joseph, Joseph people received the benefits from, from his connection to Pharaoh. And it was a really sweet time for uh, Israel, but it was not their destination. Does that sound familiar? So even Joseph, as he was dying, he was going, I know this is a good time, but guys, this is not the destination that God promised, and it's actually going to be better after this. Don't, so basically, don't get too comfortable here in Egypt. In fact, I don't even want my bones to stay here because this is not our home. And the reason why that's faith is because as great as their time in Egypt was during that time, Joseph had faith that God's promises was for something better. So we, as we live in this world and as we enjoy our lives and we enjoy our luxuries and we enjoy our, you know, we have to understand this is not the ultimate promise. This is not where we're going to be forever so we can continue to, to live, but live in faith that something, as great as our lives are right now, guys, it's actually going to be better in eternity. That's the optimism that we get to have. Hebrews eleven twenty three. By faith, now we're at Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. So by faith, Moses' parents hid him. The decree was that every baby had to die during that time. And what was that? Yeah. Male child, right. Every male child had to die. And, and Moses was a male child. But the parents had faith. That even though that's decreed, faith is, again, what you're hoping for, right? I have faith that our boy is going to survive. And not only is he going to survive, but God is going to use him in a big way. So by faith, they hid him. Now, keep in mind, guys, it didn't say by fear they hid Moses. There's a difference. Oh, my God, oh, my God. Oh, man, Pharaoh said they all have to die. Go quick, quick, hide, hide them, hide them. That's not what the story says. By faith, Moses is going to have a great future. And he, he can't have a great future if, if they kill him. So let's, uh, let's, let's do this. And let's put him here. Let's put him here. It's with faith. It was with optimism that they hid Moses. Not with fear. It was with optimism. It was with this substance of what they hoped for. That's why I love that it says, by faith, Moses was hidden. 
not by fear. It makes it very clear it was with faith, guys. Faith, which is what we hope for. Even though we can't see it, it's by faith that Moses was hidden. It wasn't a frantic, fearful hideaway. Faith and fear are not the same. We do understand that, right? Okay. Hebrews 11, 24 through 26. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Okay, so Moses was hidden, and he was put um, in a basket, and Pharaoh's daughter found him, and he ended up being raised by Pharaoh's family in the palace. And even though he was raised an Egyptian and by Egyptians, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter because he knew that he was an Israelite. He knew he was a Hebrew boy. And he was proud of that. And he knew that that's who he truly was. But even that, it was by faith. It wasn't out of arrogance. It wasn't out of hate. It wasn't out of anything ugly. It was by faith that he refused. He goes, no, no, I'm I'm grateful that y'all raised me. And I'm grateful that y'all gave me a home and I have my own wing over here and I'm living really large. I'm living really nicely and I'm thankful for your generosity, but this is not who I am. And he had faith that who he was, here it goes, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. Oh man, this is so much, I could teach a whole message on this, but I'm not. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. During this time of Moses choosing to be labeled and associated with the Hebrews than than the the Egyptians, guys, the Israelites were slaves during this time being mistreated, being disregarded, beaten, working crazy hours, and the Egyptians were the people of wealth and status. And nothing against wealth and status, but even in the midst of them being slaves, Moses knew that they were the chosen ones. So, He goes, even though this is a really nice way to live right now, I'd rather be associated with God's people while they are at the bottom of the foot of the Egyptians than to enjoy the the sweet life that that I've been living. And I say that because that takes faith, because visibly, If anyone asks us, how would you want to live like this or like that, we'd be like, like that. Because in the moment, visibly, the Egyptians looked like they had it way better. But Moses goes, yeah, but faith is hoping in what I can't see yet. And even though Israel isn't at their promised state, I have faith that that's who they will be, 
That's who I am. So I'd rather be a, so I'd rather be with them in their affliction than in uh, than with Egypt, living a easy life. And I think that's something we have to ask. This 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 wording is is speaking to us because as people of faith, we have to understand that it is better to be afflicted with the people of God than to be free of affliction outside of the people of God. We have to have such a confidence in God's people that even we'd rather be with Jesus on our worst day than without Jesus on our best day. We have to say, Lord, I am so committed to being a part of your people that even though we are not popular right now, even though everyone's making fun of us right now, even though they call us detached, they call us aloof, they call us ignorant, they call us judgmental, they call us hateful, they call us full of phobias, even though the world is calling us all these things, I'd rather be unpopular with Jesus than popular without him, than joining the people who seem to be on top right now. And I say this to all of y'all because I know it's very tempting. I've talked to several Christians who have disowned the faith. They don't associate with church they say they still believe in God, they still believe in Jesus, but, but they can't stomach how bad of a reputation Christians have. And they don't want to be associated with things that, that people associate Christians with. So their logic is, well, since I don't want to be associated with a lot of things that Christians are associated with, then I'm going to separate myself and not identify as Christian. I'm going to call myself spiritual. I'm going to call myself something else because if I call myself Christian, if I go to a church, then I will be associated with things that I don't want to be associated with. So, so let me take off that title and join another group so that I won't be. A lot of people are falling for that. And at the end of the day, guys, on Judgment Day, I don't want to be labeled a fair-weather fan. Y'all know what fair-weather fans are? Fair-weather fans are people who are only happy to be associated with something when they're on top. I'm only a fan if we're winning. But the minute we lose, I'm for, I'm, I just switch. With it. Whichever team is in first place, that's a team that I want to be associated with. But guys, that's why we are to be married, which is another word that has been changed over the, to be married means for richer or poorer, for in sickness or in health. So, eat, so when you get your promotion, I'm still married to you. If you get fired, I'm still married to you. If you, if you get the bonus, I'm married to you. If you're broke, I'm married to you. That's what marriage is meant to be unconditional. So if the church is in a positive light at the moment, awesome. I'm with you. I'm a part of the church. I'm proud of it. If they are in a bad state and we're looking lame, I'm still with the church. I'm there in my seat because I'm not a Fairweather fan. And we all know, if you know the Bible, how the story ends. 
The church is who will reign with Christ. And I don't want to be that person that ditched the church so I can keep status in Egypt. And then when they're on top, I'm going, <laughs> y'all remember me? <laughs> y'all, I, I, I'm with y'all. Y'all, okay, y'all know those cousins or those friends that you don't hear from them until they find out that you come across some money or you get famous, all of a sudden it's like, oh, we were best friends. Look at us. It's like, I haven't heard from you in years. I don't want to be that for Jesus. I don't want to be the guy that when the world sees, because by, by, by the way, the Bible says all the world is going to see that he's Lord. So when all the people that I look at as cool and that I think are someone to be with are going, Oh, Jesus, cool. Then I go, well, yeah, you know, I, I was raising that. I'm with, I'm with the church. I used to be a pastor at the church. I, I'm, with, I'm, I'm with them too. And it's like, but you never talked about them. You, in fact, you talked against the church. Oh, no, no, I was, I was, what's the, what's the phrase? If, you, if, you, if you're not with me at my this, you can't, you don't deserve me at my that, right? With all the memes that you see, like there's like a before and after and someone who looks really bad is like, if, you, if, you're not, if you're not with me on this, then you don't deserve me when I'm on top, right? And it's this whole idea of, like, being ride or die. We got to be ride or die when it comes to church. Like, if we are at the, if we are broke on the side of the road, I am with the church. I am with, because the church is the bride of Christ, and that's the cool thing is Jesus is still with us. He's still faithful. So my point is Moses displayed this same ride or die attitude. Even while Israelites were slaves and he was in the palace, he goes, I'm still with them. I'm with them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually leave all of this and, and take this perceived demotion, even though I know that the way this ends is Israel, according to God's word, they're going to be the light of the world. They're going to be the, play, the nation that blesses all of y'all. So he didn't look at it as a demotion. He looked at it as I'm staying with the people that at the end of the day are going to be on the top. And in the moment, it looked like he was leaving all of the pleasures of life, but this key word it says passing pleasures of sin. We have to understand that a lot of the things that we're seeking are passing. But the pleasures for God, God's people are not passing. They're eternal. They're going to last forever. But you have to have faith to live this way. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater rich, oh, sorry, uh, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for he looked to the reward. There's a reward for those who endure and live in faith. Did that make sense, all the fair weather stuff that I was saying? Okay. Yeah. Hebrews eleven twenty-eight 28 through 20, 27 to 28. By faith he, Moses, forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. 
For he endured as seeing him, God, who is invisible. Remember I said, remember Hebrews 3 says, those who have faith understand that the visible world is not created by the visible but by the invisible. That's, Moses had this ability because the king was someone who was visible. And the king was someone that most people were very afraid of. But because Moses knew that the one who is invisible is greater than the one who is visible, he didn't have fear. Instead, he had faith that I'm following the one who, even though I can't see, is truly king. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Verse 29, by faith, now they're talking about the Israelites, passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. There are things that you can do in faith that you can't do without faith. Some of you guys are, some of us are, are too superficial, and we look at the action and not the spirit behind the action. So, for instance, I don't know if you guys remember, but when the disciples were healing people and doing all these cool things, there, was, there were people that were like, we want to know how to do that too. And they thought it was really just the action of it. So they tried to, like, purchase it. They tried to buy it. They wanted the power of God. So they're like, ah. Uh. And they were just looking at the action of these people touching people's heads and them getting healed and touching this and doing this. And they, and they didn't realize that there was a faith behind the action. I see that happen all the time. You see uh, non-believers try to mimic the anointing of uh, like, for instance, like, like gospel music or something. You know, like my mom will sing and then someone who like has a great voice too, like, well, I want to match that. And they'll go, ah, and they'll sing, it'll sound good, but it'll be like crickets because they don't realize that it's not the action of her singing, it's the faith of the woman who is singing it. So what happens is, People try to emulate people of faith without faith, and they don't have the same results as people who have faith. So we see it with, with the Red Sea. The people of faith in God's promise, they crossed the Red Sea, and it worked. They're like, it worked. So Egyptians without faith go, we want to do that too. And they go through it, and they all drown. There are things that you can, that people who are full of faith can do that people who don't have faith or don't use their faith can't do. One big one is please God. You can't please God if you don't have faith. How many people do the deeds thinking that it's going to please God. 
If I show up to church, I'll please God. If I, if I pay this, I'll please God. If I, if I smile, I'll please God. If I, if, I, if I lift my hands, I'll please God. All these actions, which are good actions, that people of faith do. But if you don't come to church with faith and optimism that God is going to speak to you and God is going to do something in your heart, if you show up at faith being like this is going to be a waste of two hours, you won't please God. Even though you will be doing mechanically all the same things as someone who is pleasing God, it won't please him because you're not doing it with faith. There's no optimism in your heart. There's no, there's no sense that it's going to get better. This is, God is going to do something great with me today. That's how you're supposed to do things. The Israelites crossed the Red Sea with faith. And they lived. And then people said, let's mimic the action. They walked the same path through the same sea and died. So it's possible to walk the same path through the same sea, on the same road, in the same church, and not get any. Have you ever noticed how there's someone next to you who's going, oh, my God, this is blessing me, and you're next to them going, this stinks? <laughs> same ears, same message. One person is receiving it with faith, and the other person is receiving it without faith. It happens all the time. Literally, same row. One person just being blessed left and right, and the other person is like, nothing. Faith. Faith is the key that unlocks the door to God's promises. Optimism, guys, it's not even that deep. Optimism, just believing that something good is happening. Just simply believing that something good is going to happen out of what this man is saying today. Like something good is going to happen by me, you know, serving in this area or, or working on this or, or, or working with the welcome team. Like someone's going to be blessed by me greeting them today. Like it can change your entire experience. Faith can change your entire experience where you're doing the same thing that you were doing before, but this time with faith. I remember after I started walking with faith, I would hear songs that I heard all my life that meant nothing to me, that meant everything. I, was, I mean, I'm talking about amazing grace. Amazing grace was making me cry. And that was the most basic, trite song ever for years because I didn't have faith. There was no faith active in my life. I wasn't listening with faith. But when you listen to the same song with faith, you're going, oh, my God, I'm being blessed. God is, oh, man, your grace, oh, man. It's because you're alive with faith. You're listening it by faith. That's why every passage in Hebrews 11 says by faith they did this. By faith they did this. By faith they did this. By faith she did this. By faith they hid Moses. By faith they... Everything we do, if we're going to be the faithful ones, needs to be by faith. And that means with a hope 
with the hope alive in you. In what you're not seeing right now, but you believe that it's, it's happening. It's happening. Even though I can't see it, oh, man, God is doing something. And, those, and there are those people here at our church, by the way, like people who talk by faith and let's be, there's, and then there's people that don't want to be around those people. Some of the really faithful people in our church are not all that popular. It's not because they're not nice. It's not because they're not attractive. It's not because they're not. But if you don't want to think like faith, you're like, get me out of that. Where are the, where are the, where are the, real, where are the realists at? Oh, you're my people. You tell it like it is. Like people without faith like are like, oh, yes, finally around people who are just not about all that. It's just, that's just too much. Everything's not about faith. Really? That means everything is not about pleasing God. If everything is not about faith, then that means everything is not about pleasing God. And I'm not sure about you, but that's not the kind of life I'm trying to live. I don't want a single moment in my life to not please the Lord. I don't want a single thought in my mind to not please God. I don't want a single motive in my life to not please God. And if the scriptures say that I can't please him without faith, then I need faith for every moment of every day of every conversation. And just, well, I'm not saying every, every conversation has to be about Scripture, by the way. I like talking about things that aren't Scripture. But, like, you should still have a faith about it. You should list everything that you say. It should be with this hope in God's, in God's promises. Like, you, hope in God's promises needs to just be laced in everything. And even if you're not explicitly talking about God's promises, it still should you still should talk about it from a place of someone who believes in God's promises. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that we got to, like, only talk about, like, Hebrews 11, you know? That's not what I'm saying. Because, and I, I want to clarify that, because if someone was only talking about Hebrews 11, like, I mean, I might not want to be about them all that, all, all that much either. At the same time, why not? Well, I don't. I want to. You know, you got to start asking yourself that, like, is, am, am I, do I, do I live and eat and breathe the word? Do I really believe that this is important? Do I really believe that this is the way that I'm going to survive and live in this life is through the word of God? You know, so, you, I don't know, when you look at life that way, you just don't, you run to opportunities to get around the word. Am I making sense? Okay. Um, Jesus is a great gift in many ways. Um, but when it comes to our faith, Scripture says that he, he starts our faith and he completes our faith. Faith is a journey, and it's something that we need Jesus to, to truly have. We... we, we And I don't know, it's, I feel like just knowing the examples of like, that they read, like Moses and Noah and Abraham, it seems like the, the, the more 
the more you're able to, the more contrary your life looks to the promise that's, that's, that you're holding on to, that almost seems to be like what ranks people. It's like, man, this person believed that they were going to be a mom even when they were really, really old. Or this person believed that it was going to, a flood was going to come even though there hadn't been any rain. Or this person believed that, you know, the reason why I put Jesus at the top is because Jesus faced crucifixion and held on to the fact that he was going to be, he was the king of kings, the lord of lords, even, talk about seeing something that's contrary to God's promises. Guys, imagine having a call and a on your life from God to be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And having to believe that while everyone is spitting on you, stripping you of your clothes, laughing at you, whipping you publicly, Twisting crowns of thorn, a crown of thorns in your in your temple. You're bleeding. No one cares. They're laughing while you bleed, mocking you. They put a thing over your saying "King of the Jews" as a joke. The reason why, one of the reasons why I will always follow Jesus when it comes to faith is because. That is, to me, the most ultimate example of holding on to God's promises, even though what you see looks so contrary. Scripture says that he endured the public ridicule knowing that there was a great joy ahead. It was the hope that was before him. It was the joy that he endured the cross. He knew that, yes, this looks bad, but faith is the substance of what I'm hoping for. It's the optimism that God's word is true, even though everything I'm seeing looks like death. I am the life even though all I'm seeing is death. I am the truth even though they're calling me a liar. I am the way even though they're turning their backs on me. Jesus had to hold on to the promises of God even though he couldn't see it because all he saw was the opposite. And I'm telling you all that so that maybe you guys can run to Jesus. If you're struggling in your faith, Run to the one who was able to walk through what visibly looked hopeless because he knew that God's word, his father's word was true. And he hung on the cross. He shed his blood. He died. 
and he stayed dead for a day, and he stayed dead for another day, and he stayed. And on the third day, the fulfillment of God's promise, the fulfillment of his purpose on life was fulfilled. God's promises are true. If he gave you a promise in his word, it will be fulfilled. And faith is going, I'm going to believe it even though I can't see it. So I'm going to ask us all to stand up so we can pray. Father, there's a lot of work um, that you're doing in our hearts. Lord, there's a lot that's happening in our world, in our personal lives that really challenge the hope of our faith. It really challenges us to believe that good things are happening and good, better things are coming. Lord, your word says that better things are coming. You promise us a home that you're preparing for us with many mansions. Lord, you're promising us a great comeback where we, where we reign with you as your bride. You promise that you're coming back for, for us for this incredible, glorious day. You have so many promises for us to look forward to. God, and I just pray, Lord, that all of us choose to believe, even if that means that for the moment it's looking not good, at the moment we're looking like slaves compared to Egypt, or we're looking like the underdogs, or we're looking like the losers, or we're looking like the irrelevant ones or whatever it is that we have to sort through when it comes to holding out for your promise. Let us be like Moses and rather be under reproach with Christ than enjoying the passing pleasures of, of sin. Let us be like Jesus who even though his current situation looked like death. He knew that he was bound for life. Let us be the faithful ones who no matter how it looks, hold on to the promises in your word knowing that what is unseen is greater than what we can see. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. I'm going to invite anyone here who wants to be born again, who wants to be born into a spiritual identity that is one with Christ, one that is 
dead to sin, dead to the past, dead to their old life, and alive with Jesus. Forgiven, free, empowered, faithful. I want to lead us in a prayer if you want to choose Jesus because Jesus if you choose him you he will he will he will give you a new identity. Scripture says when you're in Christ you become a new creation. The old is gone, the way that you used to think, the pessimism and the 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 doubt and the the depression and and all of the the the, the anxiety and, and the the fears and and, and living in that place of, of, of anticipating the worst and, and, and always expecting something bad to happen or someone to leave you or someone to reject you or someone to, to hurt you. And to all that anticipation for the negative, if you're ready to say goodbye to that and embrace a life where you're anticipating blessings, you're anticipating revelation. You're anticipating healing. You're anticipating joy. You're anticipating God's promises. That's for you. And if that's what you want right now, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if we follow Jesus, he will lead us to every single promise that belongs to us. So repeat these words after me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, amen. By faith, let's celebrate what just happened here. By faith, by faith, clap with faith. Shout with faith. Rejoice with faith. What are we hoping for? What are we believing for? Let's go by faith. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We rejoice by faith, God. We receive salvation by faith. We share salvation by faith. We pray for healing by faith. We receive healing by faith. We walk by faith. We talk by faith. We live by faith. We go through disappointments by faith. We go through hurts and trials and rejection by faith. We go through pain by faith.
you said yes to Jesus by faith, just so you know, you are saved. You are no longer who you used to be. You might look the same, you might feel the same, but by faith, your entire life has changed. We want you to let us know by faith. Send us a text. Say yes to Jesus to 77411. And anyone who does that, we're just going to give you some material right to your phone that's got some scriptures in it. It'll help you get your get a strong start or a restart depending on the person. If you would like to learn more about our church, get connected, you can text belong to that same number or you can go to next steps. I'm teaching next steps right after this this message. And uh, feel free to come and hear more about the vision of our church. Uh, we won't keep you long. If you want prayer, we have people who are full of faith, who are willing to pray for you. There's two people that are going to be down here. And whatever you need, if it's healing in your body, if it's agreeing for something that's going on in your life, whatever, we'll, we'll pray for you. And we'll pray for you with faith in the God who we're praying to. Um, you can also let us know your prayer request online. Uh, we have a team that prays um, for any requests that come in. And uh, just know that I love you guys. Um, I, I, I really believe in what I'm sharing. I believe that God's word is the bread of life. I do believe that faith can move mountains I believe it can change your life, it can change your marriage, it can change your family, it can, it can change your relationships with your children, it can change your financial life, it can change your professional life, your dream, it can change your ministry, it can make you so much more effective in the kingdom of God, it can change your outlook on every single thing in your life. This word is life. So I'm grateful that we all got to gather around it. I can't wait till we do it again next week or even this week if you go to a life group. We'll get into the Word this week. And guys, get in the Word in your own time. Get in the Word in your own time. During the week, get into the Word and know that every time you open up that Word, you are opening up the key to life. I bless you in Jesus' name. Have a great rest of your day. See you.